amazing day. It, uh, I woke up this morning. I was reminded, I was one of those people who was reminded it was Mother's Day in sort of a, a weird way. I got a text this morning. Kristen and I, we're moving to Chattanooga. We thought, hey, we should get new Chattanooga numbers, you know, like be with the people, you know, as we move into a city and stuff. And so I got a text this morning at like 6.30 that said in all capital letters, happy very first Mother's Day. Um, apparently somebody in Chattanooga is a new mother and it's not me and she got a new number. Um, but seriously, happy, happy Mother's Day. It, it's a blessing to be here. As Dave said, um, we're in Ephesians chapter 2. It's, it's a series that our church has been in for a while now. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22 is the text this morning. Like Dave said, 815 in the Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, they're on the tables in the back and around the room. Please grab one. Please take one with you if you don't have one. So a long text today. I'm going to do the preface here at the beginning. It's a long text, so stay with me. Get your Bibles out. Let's read through it together. But we've been in this series, and so just by way of a reminder, right, Paul has been writing, is writing this letter to the Ephesian church. Paul, this man who uh, was a persecutor of the church, right? He literally arrested Christians. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians, bring them back to Jerusalem, to arrest them, to persecute the church. He has this encounter with the risen Lord Jesus on the road, right? Jesus appears to him. It changes his life, changes his identity. And he writes this letter to a church, right, that needs to be reminded of that identity. For Paul, it was going from throwing Christians in jail to being thrown in jail for the gospel and being joyful about it because the kingdom of God was advancing in the world. It's this radical identity shift in the man named Paul that we see here. And he's writing to a church to say, hey, remember your identity. Remember who you are in Jesus. And so as we step into the text this morning, we have to remember what some of the things that he said about us because it drives our text today. So he says things like this about the Ephesian Christians and about us. He says that all the spiritual blessings in chapter one and two, all of them are there. Read it this afternoon. All the spiritual blessings in heaven, like where God is, are made available to us, the people of God, in the person of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing promise. Or he says things like that we have been marked by the very Spirit of God, those of us who are in Christ, the Spirit of God that hovered over the waters in creation, the Spirit of God that brought all of this into existence. You, as a follower of Jesus, are marked by the Holy Spirit of God. Like, hear that truth this morning. It's an amazing identity statement. Or he says that the power that raised Christ from the dead, right, the very same power that raised Christ from the dead is made available to us in Christ Jesus. Can we step into that identity this morning? And so Paul makes some amazing statements as we step into the text. And then he says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, in light of all of these identity statements that Paul has said, in light of all that we've talked about over the last couple of months together, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, you probably didn't plan on hearing that this morning on Mother's Day, but here we are. Okay, we'll talk about it in a minute, I promise. Remember, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul is saying this, that there was a time in all of our lives, when we were separated from God, when we were far from God, when we walked as strangers to God. But the miracle and the good news of the gospel this morning is that that is no longer true. Because, but now in Christ, right, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been brought near to God. He goes on saying this in verse 14, for he himself, for Jesus himself is our peace. For Jesus himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, the purpose of Jesus, was to create in himself 
one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Hear this, for through him, for through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Jesus says, there was this moment when you were reconciled to God and in Jesus Christ, you are now being reconciled to one another, that Jesus Christ has literally run through the barrier of hostility that divided Jew and Greek, right? And that in Christ, we all have access to God. An amazing statement of our identity. And then this verse 19, consequently, again, therefore, because of all that we've read so far, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Hear this, verse 22, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It's the word of God this morning. Like anybody get excited about that? You too are being built into the very dwelling of the spirit of God, Ethos Church. Let's step into that reality, okay? Man, it's an amazing promise. This, this week as I was praying and I was thinking about this text, it, it was, there's so much going on and it's so, you know, just deep and rich. I, I began to think and to pray about, about what Paul is trying to say to us here as he confirms our identity in Christ. And remember the story uh, that happened in my own life. I, I lived in, some of you who know me know that I lived in, in Mexico for a couple of years. I had the tremendous blessing to be able to partner with church planners and churches there and just learn and see about the kingdom of God, what he was doing in the world. But because of part of the work that I was involved in there, um, I had to apply for a permanent resident visa, basically a green card in Mexico. And the way things are kind of structured between Mexico and, and, and the U.S., a lot of American citizens can stay in Mexico for an extended period of time with a tourist visa. But because of the nature of the work we were doing, I had to get a permanent resident visa. And I don't know if any of you have been, have been through a process, an immigration process, but it is arduous and it is long. And, and I have never felt so much a foreigner, not because anybody was rude to me, not because of anything that anybody said to me, like... I don't tell you this story because that was my experience. It's just that when you were going through a process like that, you realize that, hey, you're not from around here, right? Like there are things that you don't know about. There are, there are moments where you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And so I went through this six-month process, right, of trying to apply and get granted um, permanent resident status in Mexico. And at every turn, man, I would have meetings with people and I would go to the lawyer's office and there were just constant reminders that I was a foreigner, right, that I was not from Mexico. And so I remember that process just being long and drawn out. And at the very end of that process, I had to go to Mexico City to uh, apply or to have an interview and to be granted this visa. And so if I already felt like a foreigner throughout the whole process, like flying into Mexico City is one of the more, anybody in Mexico City? It's one of the more intimidating places on the earth. Like quite literally, there are 27 million people that live in a city. We drove for two hours in the city to get to the immigration office. I just felt so small and so out of place and so other, right? And so we walk into the immigration office that next morning with the immigration attorney, and if I felt small, like this only made me feel even smaller. I walked in, and it was two weeks after, y'all remember the earthquake in Haiti, that just devastating earthquake several years ago? Um, it was two weeks after that. And so Mexico, in this amazing sort of show of like compassion, opened their doors and said like, come, like those of you who've been displaced, come to, our, come to Mexico, you have a place here. It was this amazing moment of compassion. But I walked in, in in a room about this size, filled with people, 
filled with refugees, people who were fleeing like the disaster and coming to have asylum in Mexico. And I walked in and was like, man, I am... I'm not from around here. This is not, I have no idea what to do. I spent the rest of that day in the immigration office going from meeting to meeting, having interviews. You can imagine how fun those are. Immigration interviews are not great. But like 10 minutes before the end of the day, I hear my name called over the loudspeaker. And I'll never forget, I walked up to the, to the desk and I was like shaking, nervous, you know. And um, this woman looks at me and she pulls her glasses down over her eyes. And in this moment that I can only describe like a moment in like a childhood, you know, one of those novels or like a movie where you see a kid open a book and like light shines out of it. You know, she slides across the table to me, my identification card, my new Mexican visa. And I promise you, like it had like gold, like light coming off of it. Birds are singing, like the windows fly open, the curtains blow back. She, I mean, it's an amazing moment, right? And in that moment, quite literally, like my identity my identity shifted in some ways, right? And she handed me not only that identification card that said, hey, you are a permanent resident. Hey, you are welcome here. She also handed me a sheet of paper as she said, welcome to Mexico. I'm like, man, I've been here for six months. Like, I don't know, welcome, you know, but it was that moment of stepping into a new identity. She said, welcome to Mexico. Here's a sheet of all of the blessings of all the benefits that now come with your status. And there were things amazing, but I mean, I'm talking like, holy cow. There were blessings like, um, I could have a bank account in Mexico. So that on the paper, I didn't have any money. It didn't matter. I could legally have a bank account in Mexico. Amazing blessing. Uh, another one was that I could officially get a cell phone. So I pulled the cell phone out of my pocket and I was like, well, I've had one for six months, but whatever you need to do officially, like, please, I'm, I'm in. I want to claim this blessing. Um, the, the best one was that I got a social security number in Mexico. And I was like, man, I like turned around the room and I was like, this is amazing. People can steal my identity in two countries now. It doesn't like, like this is an amazing blessing. And I tell that story not because like, it's silly and it's funny, but it was a long and arduous process. But there was a very real moment there, right, where I became, where I went from foreigner to, to citizen, not citizen, but part of. Does that make sense? And there was a list of blessings that came with that, right? There was a status that came with that. And I think what Paul is trying to say here is that you were foreigners and God has brought you near. And when God brings you into the family, into citizenship in the kingdom of God, there comes a list of blessings, right, that you get that you no longer, that you didn't have access to before because of your status. And I want us to just talk this morning and help us to begin to step into some of those blessings that come from our identity in Christ. Does that make sense? So the first thing I think Paul does here is he asks us to remember, to remember. Verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision. Again, we'll talk about it in just a second, I promise. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And we have to talk about that circumcision and uncircumcision thing really quick. All he's saying there is that there is a group of people, Jewish people, right, who had, who had identified themselves as the circumcision. They had this long history with God, right? They had been God's people for so long. And Paul is saying that before Christ, right, you as people who were not part of the people of God were, were far from God. You were separated from God. The, the, the blessings and the promises of the covenant, they, they didn't extend to you. And the good news here is now in Christ, you have been brought into that family. But we have to remember where we were beforehand. And I know it's annoying and I know it's frustrating. I, I got to teach a couple weeks ago about Ephesians uh, 2, 1 through 5, where Paul quite literally says that outside of Jesus Christ, 
Like you were stone cold, spiritually graveyard dead. And that's not a fun thing to hear. That's not a fun thing to hear. But Paul says, remember where you were, right? So that you can step fully into the identity of who God has made you in Christ. Does that make sense? Because when we forget where we were, right? When I forget the process that it took me to be able to receive that visa that day. When we forget who we were, the gift of God in Christ Jesus, the mercy and the love and the forgiveness and the freedom that we have in Jesus, it doesn't seem as good anymore, right? It just becomes something we can just kind of like take and accept. But when we remember that we were far from God, that we had no hope, that we were without God, that that's no longer our reality, but it very, it was very really, uh, it was one day before we met Jesus, then it changes everything about who we are. Paul says that you were separated from Christ excluded from citizenship, foreigners without hope and without God. But then he says, but now. Some of the most amazing words in the Bible, but now, that was who you were. It's not who you are any longer. Paul says, remember who you were so that you can step fully into who you are in the present in Christ Jesus. The second thing Paul teaches us here is that we are a reconciled people, that out of our identity in Christ Jesus, we realize that we are a reconciled people. Reconciled not only to God, that's a very real thing, right? That Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, again, that while we were dead in sins, Christ made us alive, right? That's a very real thing. We've been reconciled to God, but he also says that we've been reconciled to each other, that as human beings, the work of Jesus Christ extends to every sphere of human life. Like every sphere of creation is touched by the saving work of Jesus. And he says, not only have you been reconciled to God, but you've been reconciled to one another as well. Verse 14, for he himself, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, the purpose of Jesus, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And I read that and I go, man, Matt, do you have eyes to see? Do you have eyes to see what God is doing in the world? Like, do we have eyes to see, Ethos Church, what God is doing, what the resurrection life means for reconciled human relationship? And Paul says that, hey, Jesus Christ is your peace. Not just a lack of conflict, that's a very real part of peace, but he says that Jesus Christ is your peace. He is your shalom. He is the one who sets things to rights. He is the one that makes things as they should be and as they were in the beginning. He is the only one that can heal the brokenness of human relationship. Jesus Christ is our peace, right? And so so what God does on a meta level, like what God does up here when he reconciles us to God, he also does in the arena of human relationship. Because Paul says in Ephesians 1.10, we studied it earlier together a few weeks back, that the purpose of God was to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ Jesus. All things. And so we, as people who are stepping into the identity of of sons and daughters of God, of family membership in the kingdom of God, we have to realize that it's not enough just to say that, hey God, here's, here's, my, here's my life, I wanna be reconciled to you, but I have to really ask myself, what does this mean for my relationship with my wife? What does this mean for my relationship with my neighbor? What does this mean for the relationship I have with people in this city, right? The 
kingdom of God touches every sphere of human life. And Paul appeals to that Jew-Gentile divide again, right? When he says that quite literally there was a wall of hostility in the, in the temple in Jerusalem. There was a sign on the wall that said, if you are not Jewish, you cannot pass this line under penalty of death. There was a, quite literally, a sharp divide, right? And Jesus Christ, he dies on the cross, and what happens? The veil of the temple is torn, right? And that dividing wall of hostility is, is bulldozed in that moment. The Jesus Christ runs headlong through it, and he calls us as the people of God to run through those barriers of hostility that exist in our world for the glory of God and for our great joy. God is calling us into participation in what he's doing in the world. And that has to be seen, our identity has to be seen in the way that we live, reconciled lives, not only with God, but also with each other. And so I ask myself again, do I have eyes to see what he's doing in the world? I have to believe this morning that, that in Christ, I think what Paul is saying here, that in Christ and in the kingdom of God, race and national distinction lose their place as the number one identifier of someone's identity that race and national distinction no longer identify us when we are in Christ. They are important and they are significant, right? But they are not the things that identify who we are in Christ because we are being brought, Paul says, into a new humanity, right? Where Jew is not asked to become Gentile and Gentile is not asked to become Jew, but we are asked to step fully into the reality of the kingdom of God that says in Christ we are being made into a new humanity. It's that picture in Revelation 7 that Dave reminded of us a couple, reminded us of a couple months ago at TSU when we were there. Do you remember that? There's this picture of people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation gathered around the throne of God, worshiping, pouring their hearts out in worship. It's a picture that has is, is been haunting me since then because I think so many times the easy, easy thing for me to do when I read this text is to say, like, one day in the future that'll be true. And I believe it will be. Or I can say when I read this text, like, yeah, that was cool. Paul was talking about this uh, divide between um, Jewish people and Gentiles 2,000 years ago. And we isolate it and we put it in a box and we say it's not really, like, it's not yet, right? This is, this is our time. This is a different time. But I believe, I was, I was talking this week with uh, my friend Chris as we were talking about this text, and he said something that just stuck with me all week. He said that as the people of God who are living into this identity, our call is to lasso Romans, or, uh, Revelation 7, right? It's a future reality, but we are called to lasso it and to pull it into the present. That that is the very real work of Jesus Christ, that all people are gathered into a new humanity and we praise God because of it. It is our work as people who have claimed the identity of sons and daughters of Jesus to step into that reality this morning. And I think it has to change everything. The third thing I want us to talk about this morning is that we are a people who are rising. Verse 19, consequently, because of our remembering and because of our reconciled relationship with God and with each other, Consequently, Paul says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You were foreigners and strangers, but now you are members of the household of God. What a truth. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And hear this again. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We've been reminded this morning, we've been reminded not just to dwell in our past, we've been reminded of who we were before Christ so that we can step fully into the amazing life with Christ, the identity of sons and daughters of God, that we've been reconciled not just to God but to each other, 
as we are literally pulled into a new humanity around the person of Jesus Christ. And now, hear this, we are being built into Ethos Church this morning. Hear me. You are being built into the dwelling place of God in the world. Hear that. You are being built. This community of faith is being built into the dwelling place of God in the world. And I go, man, how would that change my life? How would that change our life together if we stepped fully into that truth? that we are being built into the very dwelling place of God in the world? How would it change Ethos Church? How would it change this city? How would it change City Collective and the church that we're partnering with God to plant in Chattanooga if we realize this morning that we are being called and we are being built into the very place where God dwells in the world, where the very presence of God is being mediated to the world through the people of God? And I go, wow, what if we grasped that? What if we stepped into it fully and boldly and expectantly you see, because the, the temple in Israel, right, God says that we're being built into a temple. We are rising into the house of God where he dwells. The temple in Israel was this place where literally heaven kisses earth, right? It's where heaven and earth collide. It's where the presence of God was with his people. And Paul says that in Jesus Christ, like, you don't need a building anymore, right? Because the people of God are being built into that place where the presence of God comes to dwell and so I started to think about what does that mean when heaven comes to earth? What does that mean where the presence of God is? And I started to think about the brokenness in our cities. And I started to think about the brokenness in our lives and our relationships. And I think, man, God has a word for this, right? That there's this picture in Luke chapter six of Jesus. And he comes off the mountain. He's with his apostles. And he comes down and it says that people begin to stream to him from all over the known world, right? People get, begin to stream to him because why? Because he's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God because power is going out from him and people are being healed. And I go, man, if that's not a vision for the church today, then I don't know what is. Because I have to ask myself, like, I think my vision of the church is too small. I think my vision of what God is doing here among us is too small at times, right? When I think that it's a place where I come to receive something or participate, and it's all true, right? But God is quite literally building us in this building together into the place where his presence can be mediated to all people. And I go, man, what would it look like we took Jesus seriously? And what would it look like if we really stepped into the identity that Paul is laying out here before us and we said, man, I believe that people from all over this city will stream to the people of God, not because we're so great, not because we have a cool venue and the worship's amazing, but because the power of God is on full display as broken people are being restored to new life in Jesus Christ. Like that's the vision for the church. And if our vision is anything less, it's too small. It's too small that we are being built into the people of God, that we are being built into a temple where the presence of God comes to earth. I think this morning, as we close, I just wanna, I wanna talk about just two things out of the context of where we've been. It's very possible this morning that you're here and, and you're not following Jesus and everything that we've said is like foreign and strange, right? And you feel like maybe I did when you're in the Mexican immigration office and you have no idea what to do next or what's coming. Like it's a very real possibility this morning that you feel that way. And you have to hear me say, you have to hear me say that it's not fun to remember and it's not fun to come to that face-to-face -face with that truth sometimes that outside of Jesus Christ, we are stone cold spiritually dead, but it is the truth, right? But the amazing gospel message this morning is if that's your case, like there is not one prerequisite that you have to bring to the table to step into the family of God this morning. Like that's the good news of the gospel. When, when, I was in, when I was getting my visa, I had to bring all these papers, right, and show them like, hey, here's my birth certificate. Whoa. 
Here's my birth certificate. Here are all the reasons I deserve to be in your country, right? It's part of how the process goes. And with, with God in Christ Jesus, Paul says that there is not one prerequisite, right? Because while you were dead, what? Christ made you alive. And you have been brought near to God. There's nothing that you can do. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what you think. Like, just know this morning that identity that Paul says is ours in Christ is available to you. And as we go to communion here in just a few minutes, my prayer is that as you take the bread and as you drink the cup, like all of us, like, let's remember that that is the identity that we're stepping fully into of a Lord who came not to be served, but to serve, right? And to create and to call us into a new humanity. That may be where you are this morning. Or maybe this morning, you like me have been walking with Jesus for a time and I don't know what this looks like for you, but as you hear about the identity, like I would just encourage you to take your next step. And maybe that's a renewed commitment to like going after God and worship because we all of a sudden realize and have a clearer picture of our identity in Christ and what he's done and that God is building us very, real, very like concretely in this moment into a temple where the world, where the people of the world can come to experience the presence of God. Not this building, but us in our house churches and in our lives and in our jobs that we are being made into the temple where the presence of God encounters the world. Or maybe it's a renewed commitment to stepping out into seeking after those who feel like foreigners, right? Not because we come from a place of privilege, but because we remember what it feels like to live without hope and to be separated from God. And we know that there's a better story in the world. I don't know where you're at this morning, but as we go to communion, I would just encourage you, like pray with your friends, pray with your family, pray with someone um, about what that means as we step boldly into the identity that we have in Christ. There are gonna be men and women at the respond banners behind me and in the back of the room that would love to pray with you. I, I don't know where you're at this morning. I just know that as I studied through this this week that like God was just opening my eyes to the reality of our identity in Christ and the invitation that we have to step fully into that and the way that that must make a difference in the way that we live. Um, let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll go to communion. Father God, Lord, um, how we love you. We're thankful this morning, God. We're thankful that you call us to remember our past, not, not because you want us to wallow in it or dwell in it, Father God, but you call us to remember so that we can step fully into the promise of freedom and life in Jesus. That we can claim this morning that the promise that um, while we were still dead in sin, Father, you brought us to, to life through Jesus, that you brought us near, that we were foreigners and strangers, God, but no longer in Jesus because you have brought us into your family, that we are sons and daughters of, of the King. And Father, I pray that as we go to the table this morning, and as we gather around the table of Jesus, celebrating the story of life and death and life again that gives us an identity, I pray, God, that as we take the cup and as we eat the bread, that, God, we would just be reminded in a powerful, powerful way, Father, of who you are, of what it means to be in relationship with you, God, of what it means to, to step into the identity of Jesus, the identity that Jesus has given us as his people. Father, I pray that you would just, um, that you would send us out from this place, God, with a renewed vision of what it means to be your church, of what it means to be a people who are being built into a temple where your very spirit dwells. God, I pray that that would have an impact in the city, and it would have an impact in our lives and our families, God, that we would leave here just on fire, God, the opportunity that we have to live into the identity that you have given us, God. We love you. Be with us, Father. All this in the name of Jesus. Amen.